0: What are little boys made of? What are little boys made of? Snips and snails and puppy dog tails. That's what little boys are made of. What are little girls made of? What are little girls made of? Sugar and spice and everything nice. That's what little girls are made of. So the old nursery rhyme goes. And so we thought. But in today's world, a simple, innocent wordplay like this might be considered dangerous and discriminatory, placing upon our children the oppressive burden of gender stereotypes, confusing their journey of self-exploration and expression, and hatefully assigning and defining them by their biological sex. Who knew the danger that Mother Goose, if we can be so bold as to assume what a mother is, was attempting to inflict upon the innocent minds of children? Of course, how are we to know what a boy or what a girl is in the first place? What is man? What is woman? The radical agenda of the feminist movement is presently self-consumed as the fruit of its attack on distinctive roles between men and women has led us to a place towards the abyss of androgyny, the philosophy that sex and gender aren't distinct and complementary, but socially defined and culturally malleable. Progressively, we challenge the boundaries of manhood and womanhood to the point of an indiscernible blurring of a nameless, faceless mob of we. In contrast to the clear biological distinctives witnessed within the biblical framework, we witness an increasing push towards the feminization of men and the masculinizing of women, not for the purpose of switching genders, but rather for the ultimate end of erasing gender altogether. For, if the darkness of the present hour can't convince us to destroy the image of God within us, it can at least convince us to round off its edges, to make the clear image less discernible and distinctive, and thus less God-glorifying. It is against this narrative that the present church must discover a way to clearly define a recipe for biblically-focused men and women to understand their nature, and glory in who god has made and called them to be to reclaim the story and the self from the grip of gender fluidity and offer a robust and holistic mosaic of god's image as reflected in christ-centered masculinity and femininity welcome to who let the dogma out I'm Jacob Rutledge, I'm joined by my friends, my brothers, my co-hosts, Daniel Mayfield, Jack Wilkie, and before Daniel's able to say anything, I'm sitting here with my nice cup of Pete's K-Cup coffee, and uh, despicable, brood, (laughs) brood, you can't even use that word, Uh, yeah, (laughs) that is, it was, it was boiled,
1: um, (laughs) but uh, anyways, how's it going guys? I was doing uh, a lot better before I heard you drink K cups, man. Yeah, and
2: then you've got a cup that says Bible nerd.
0: Bible nerd. Now that's a cool cup. That's actually from the Museum of the Bible.
2: There you that go. is so. that is a cool cup. It's but what's in it, it that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> here you have the word Bible and the and what's in it is terrible contents. It just doesn't fit.
1: It's true. I can't deny that. Yeah. You so can't deny that. If we have people listening who are coffee people, like Daniel, I think Daniel's the big coffee guy among us. But I'm a, I'm a coffee guy a little bit. Yeah. Give Jacob the business, please. Come on, you got to step your game up please. here, man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> don't lower our rating.
1: Yeah. Don't,
2: don't, don't go so far as to do that. Well, see, drop. I tried
0: to, I, I tried to stick a hundred sardines in it to see
1: if that would help, but oh, it didn't. Yeah. So too many. Sardines. That's
2: sixty. That's sixty too many.
1: So, who so, still uses a Keurig? <laughs> You mentioned our ratings. I want to get to that before we get into the episode. Uh, Despite Jacob's coffee taste, we need people to drop us some five stars. Uh, We are doing all right, but we could do better on our our ratings. So if you're listening, if you're enjoying, go onto your your podcast app, leave us a five star. We had a uh, one or two star from somebody username Clive Staples, which at first I was really excited that C.S. Lewis himself came back from the dead. (laughs) But then I saw he was being critical of us, so, I mean, that, that kind of stings Which, a little bit. One of my heroes, but... C.S. Lewis would think it was this. I think it was the White Witch. Yeah. The White Witch. <laughs> Jadis, yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, five-star reviews if you're listening, enjoying the show. Um, as Jacob's intro let you know, we're talking about gender this week. Male, female, uh, the difference between the two, the fact that there is a difference between the two, the roles that are uh, given therein, because, as you got at in the intro... It's one of those things where even saying that there's differences, even saying, you know what, there's toys made for little boys, toys made for little girls, oh, you know, the the pink and blue thing. It's very funny that people do, like, the gender reveal party where it explodes into pink, explodes into blue, whatever, <laughs> that kind of thing. And then after that, we have to basically pretend like there's no difference anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, these these kids have to be raised neutrally, not you know, with the same qualities, the same... Uh, attributes and and that's what we want to get at today is is that biblical uh is is that what god's design was for men and women i th- i think we could just just first
2: corinthians 16 13 this bad boy and just we could just be done act like men w- when i read that it's like wow paul actually said that act like men and that and he uses he uses the gender specific, uh you know, the, within Greek, there's, you know, there is uh, generic mankind and then there's gender specific male, female. That that alone implies that there's a difference. If you can act like a man, it implies that there is a way to act like a woman. And it implies that if you are a man, then you should not be acting like a woman, meaning that it, and you guys think that a lot of these these differences, you know, obviously we're going to look at some scriptures that point out the difference here, but I think people get hung up because we think that there is, and not, we don't just think, but there is a lot of crossover. If you were, if you were to line up on a piece of paper, if you had uh, attributes of manhood on one side and attributes of, of uh, womanhood on the other side, you'd get a lot of crossover, right? Um there there'd be a lot of qualities that you'd say well this could this this quality could also be true of, of women and, and it could also be true of men but um obviously there are differences right
0: yeah not only differences but what is the dominant trait of particular uh, the each particular sex and how those traits although they overlap are expressed and defined in different ways and we were talking a little bit about this Beforehand, um, I do think that there are, and I don't want to run ahead of ourselves because we want to come back to some of the scriptures, but I do think that there are characteristics of um, that the Bible would define even as masculine that some in our culture, because they have no anchoring within Christianity and within Jesus, probably wouldn't define those as masculine, like meekness or compassion or gentleness. But even within the biblical sense, like men and women both are compassionate and gentle, but how a man expresses gentleness and compassion is going to look different than how a woman expresses it, specifically because he is a man. Mm -hmm. And so um, how he tempers his strength, how he tempers his desires to show forth those specific you know characteristics, and I think that you see that that diversity um, right. and that complementary nature of the sexes uh, within the Genesis story, which is I kind of think where we're wanting to start, right? Sure, yeah. And that
1: I, I was going to say to that of God made the differences, and so it makes sense that Satan, who is trying to destroy all the works of God, would want to remove the differences. And so when we see this yes. culture. I think some Christians, and this again goes back to what we want to do with this podcast, is talk about how discipled you've been by the culture. Your beliefs, the things that you hold, might not be as organic as you think they are. And so when you think you know, that these gender distinctions don't matter, and, and essentially that we as humans have evolved past that, we're, we're wiser than we used to be in, in where we've come in gender relations, gender roles, Satan would be the one that would want to remove the distinctions, because God right. made those distinctions. And when you're seeing... I mean you go out in public, you guys, I think you the three of us have talked about it a little bit before. You go places and it's like, is that a man? Is that a woman? You know, and that's mm-hmm. not even talking about the transgenderism mm-hmm. thing where you can look at somebody and clearly go, "Whoa, they're trying to be the other thing." But like right. the the haircuts, the dress, all that is like just totally slowly morphing towards a blend where there's no difference yeah. between anybody. And when you look at the the biodiversity of all of creation and then the diversity of male and female that God created, that's not how he set it up. That's not what Genesis is leading us to when God creates Adam, says he needs a helper mm-hmm. suitable for him, and mm-hmm. so I'm going to create a woman out of him to be alongside him, and the two are, are going to pair together perfectly to complete what the other one is lacking. That's why you need the difference between the two.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think all, the biological, physical aspect of it shows that there are differences, right? Like, a man, like Adam and Eve, like, you know, look totally different. Totally Adam Wade different. more yeah <laughs> yeah I mean the the body the hair, the the sharper more delicate features of a woman everything and and but I was I'm I guess I'm saying that the physical differences are a tangible recognition that there are deeper differences as well right and we recognize
2: we see those all the time right I mean the the emotional differences. Men and women are drawn to different things. We were talking before the show about how, you know, people can look at, they can say that, you know, the the culturally ascribed features of being a man are just cultural constructs and they're stupid. You know, the whole the football, grilling out, that kind of thing. They say, well, and I think Jack made the point. Yeah, that may be a silly description of what it be, means to be a man, but but you have to be honest enough to say there's a reason why men are drawn to those things and women are drawn to other things. And broadly, it's this way. And going back to what Jack was talking about, um, you know, this blending of the two sexes, this has to come on the heels of denying the central reality. So as culture at large is becoming increasingly more atheistic, we're now seeing, because it's like, if there is no God, then who sets the standard? I do. And you see this in Romans 1, where... When the central chief reality, which is God, was denied, what followed? Well, it followed that men gave up natural relations with women and were consumed for one another. And women gave up natural relations with men and were consumed with one another. So if the chief reality is denied, which is Satan's ultimate goal, then everything else falls apart because there is there is no basis for it.
1: That, yeah, and everything I think, we're, we're talking about you know is with these true doctrines with the truth of God's word is God creates reality and as as you're saying it's denial of reality is what we're dealing with of I think that's one of the things that really drives a lot of people today where they, they think they're good people they think they're doing right is that it should be this way men and women should be the exact same men, they, like we should be equal in all these ways and it's like you can make that argument. I don't know that it w- I agree with it. But even if that's what you want to go with, it's not that way. And and you have to live with a world that was created to not be that way. Men are, on average, stronger than women. Women on or are on average way more nurturing. Way, you know, like the qualities that we have. And there's things that there can be really strong women. There can be nurturing men. There can be you know things uh, whatever list of qualities you want to give on both sides. But the important thing you're coming back to is there is a reality that there's a difference, and man, every time we try to outsmart God and try to push back against reality, it falls apart. It just doesn't work. The the natural limitations you run into that are there. You mentioned you know men are generally taller, men are generally heavy heavier, men are generally more uh musculature, uh, muscular is the word I'm looking for. Um, Those are outward things, but inside, you know, the testosterone, estrogen, the the makeup of of who we are on the inside drives those kinds of things. We all have kids. We've all got a boy, both boys and girls, right, in each family. At six to eight months, I started seeing the difference between a little boy and a little girl, you know. And he's got that aggression that, number one, we're going to have to rein in, but on the other hand, is going to serve him well if he controls it. And she's got qualities, you know, that he doesn't. and it's just, you can't deny that those things are there. But what the culture is trying really hard to do is deny that. And what the church is tempted to do is, well, I could see some both sides and and ride the fence on this.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. which we're just, I really have have gained a lot from an illustration that I heard years ago from Tim Lewis. And he's used this through a lot of his lessons over the years, but he talks about how the church has always tried to keep an arm's length distance from the world. But the problem is, as the world is increasingly further from God, we may be an arm length distance from the world, but look how far we've moved from where we were to begin with. And there's this constant desire to not be too radical, to not appear too different, to at least be within the realm of the thinking of the the populace. And people are getting caught up in it. One of the, you know, we've started kind of with Genesis, but um, there are those that will deny the historicity of Genesis or, you know, they'll they'll look back and they'll say, well, there were certain things that may have been true right there at the dawn of creation that haven't been true as time goes on. But don't we see in the New Testament that there's a constant pointing back to the created order to say, look, man has broke things, Satan. Man, because of sin and buying into the lie of Satan, has broken God's design, has turned things upside down, and what we need to be doing is going back to the beginning and drawing our, you know, drawing all those inferences uh, from the created order, uh, chiefly that God made them male and female. I mean, how many New Testament writers? Uh, or just you know even jesus himself point us back to in the beginning in the beginning one of them being uh what paul said in first timothy 2 which you know um people don't like to hear this but paul was saying you can't have uh, a woman leading the church she can't be exercising authority over men and you know, in a feminist society, this that's the most egregious thing you could possibly say. And you've read all of the all of the possible theological arguments to say what Paul sounds like he's saying. He's not actually saying one of the things that you hear all the time is Paul was just making a cultural argument. You know, he's he was speaking to the the cultural issues there and and, uh, you know. It would have been unfitting for a woman in that culture to be leading a men, uh, leading a man. What was the reason why Paul said, I don't permit a woman to exercise authority over a man? <laughs> what did he say? He said, the Because Genesis yeah. yeah, yeah, he said, because Adam was made first and then Eve. His reason was not rooted in culture, his reason was rooted in creation. And the what we're trying to say is as Satan is blending everything and, and turning everything upside down and confusing it. God made what I think Jacob referred to as a beautiful mosaic, which by the way, awesome use of that word. Um, This, this mosaic that you, you look at a man who's truly being a man and a woman who's being a woman and children within the midst of them. And it's a beautiful image when everybody's Mm -hmm. living up and being what God made them to be.
0: Yeah. And when you have that to me, whenever you have that kind of um, that full representation of what a woman is supposed to be or or at least a close representation of the of the not perfect woman, but of what a woman is supposed to be or the representation of what a man is. Now, you yourself might not feel you yourself might not feel that. You display that type of manliness or a woman might not feel that she displays that type of uh, femininity, but she longs to, right? Mm -hmm. Either she longs to or she's intimidated by it. And the same with us as men you know, if we're around someone who kind of typifies what we know a man should be, there's either one of two responses. We're either intimidated by it or we long to be like that. And I think that tells us something. Like we were talking a little bit beforehand about these guys that are like, well, you know, um, I that can't be masculinity because I don't relate to that. You know, and I'm a man. I think we do need to be careful about what we define as masculine. And we at least need to have Um, some guidelines and principles and make sure that we're because because the last thing I would want someone to do is, you know, stop viewing themselves as a man because they don't fit certain things. But at the same time, there are perimeters of what it means to be a man when it comes to uh, being masculine. And we want to push that. We want to encourage it. I contend that even those guys who maybe struggle with particular masculine qualities, which I don't think I'm exuding masculinity by any means. But at the same time, we long, like, we want that. Like, yeah, I remember that's... growing up uh, watching John Wayne movies, and I know anybody in this debate hears me bring up John Wayne, they might Im- immediately turn me off. But I, but I watched John Wayne growing up. I was nothing like John Wayne,
2: mm-hmm. but
0: I admired John Wayne. Oh, yeah. because And I, I couldn't even explain to you as a little boy why I, why I liked him. I really couldn't. I mean, because he was nothing like me. And, right. and and yet there was something about me him just as a young boy that I just kind of stood in awe of him. Right. And it wasn't and
2: because he was an actor. Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Well, no. But when you have that that idea in mind, or when you have someone that you're looking to as you know that speaks to to that inner person that you may not have yet, you know that may have been uh, or that may be kind of latent at that point and hasn't yet been realized. That does drive you and spur you on to being more like that, which is, which is why one of the chief issues we're dealing with right now are young men that have nobody to look to as a model for manhood. And so they're, they're all running to, I mean, we brought this up a couple episodes ago, they're all running into Jordan Peterson. Why? Because the dude is displaying some some uh when he's not just displaying in his own character but he's speaking directly to what these guys know it's just been lost because they didn't have a father figure and they were you know uh, well and i think the reason
0: is is that peter's pointing out peterson's pointing out things that 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 a vast majority of men that can that connect that they can connect with. And that's what I'm talking about when it comes to defining some of these general principles of masculinity, not necessarily in specific, like, you know, I think there are specific actions that we can do, but these principles that they're like, well, you know what? Yeah. That kind of resonates with me. I need to, I need to, you know, make your best up straight. You know, I need to make my bed. I need to, I need to take responsibility. I need to be strong, you know? And, um, they, they, there is, you can take a weak man who has never exuded strength in his life. But when you have another man talking about, man, you need to be strong. You need to stand up. Mm -hmm. You need to hold your ground. That immediately just naturally appeals to a man, especially a young man.
1: He also speaks reality in ways that Christianity has just abandoned. Uh, We talked about that so much of this is the denial of reality and how much preaching and teaching, especially towards young men, has, and, and young women too, because it, it, it's the two sides of the same coin, has been a denial of reality. Mm-hmm. How much have we been told for our you know our entire lives? You'll hear preachers get up and say this, marriage seminars, books, you know what men? There's nothing sexier to a woman than washing dishes and vacuuming the house. <laughs> That's not true. It's no. just not. And what Jordan Peterson is getting up and telling people, you know what men, what women want to see in you? Competence, strength, conviction, you know, that kind of thing. That doesn't mean you don't ever do the dishes, but it means this is what you need to be. How many churches are telling their their men, step up, lead your home, be a convicted man who says this is what we're going to do. No, it's always that you know what? You need to be the, the servant leader, which you're supposed to be a servant, but you're also supposed to lead, and and, and that because... is always kind of the back seat to that, and just kind of do what you're told, and and all of these things lead to something that ultimately doesn't work. It doesn't make the man right. happy. It doesn't make the woman happy. The The relationship doesn't work that way. Women, the girls are told, man, go for, go for it all. You can have it all, and you need to wear the pants in the family kind of thing, and... <laughs> You you hammer this into generation after generation, and then everybody's unhappy. And somebody right. like Peterson comes along and says, "Actually, it works this way." And they speak reality, and people go, "Wow, yeah, I, I'll, I, I'll listen I, to I, you, buddy." Well, we got to take that back. We're the church. I heard um, Paul Washer
2: deliver a message some years ago, and he was speaking to this—you know, this idea that we you can't necessarily. Um, Not everybody's going to fit the the you know, the picture perfect model of what what a man is or the picture perfect model of what a woman is. Um, Everyone's going to be lacking to a degree. But he told the story of um, some of the greatest um, masculinity that he'd ever seen. And it was they were somewhere over in some foreign country doing missions. And they were going to be going into they were going into some jungle where there was a potential oh, for I just heard for, this clip. Did actually. you hear that? Yeah. For, for cannibal yeah. I mean, it was I mean, it was going to be super dangerous. And the guy that was with him was uh, kind of a softer spoken guy, very slight in his figure. And, you know, so he didn't have the um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, you know, v- triangle shaped uh, body type, but it didn't matter because he said, look, this was a man here. He was, um, didn't, didn't have the capacity to defend, uh, on a physical level that some would, but he made he took a chance for the cause of Christ that so many would not, he pushed past even the physical and, and wasn't completely bound by that. And, um, I thought that was a great point, you know, because Jacob, you, I'm glad you brought that up. I've had that. And you guys probably both had this where you bring out some of these distinctions of being man and woman, and you'll have somebody, either a very slight male or a very masculine, uh, butch type woman that will say, I-, I don't fit those parameters at all. And so this isn't true. And <clears throat> I th- I think we've all seen people that can break even beyond body type or natural disposition to fit better into the image of God, and they're more satisfied within it.
0: Well, what's interesting is that you do see things, again, throughout different cults. Now, it might manifest itself in different ways, but you you have different ways in which um, the masculine and feminine qualities are conveyed. So, for example, in the law, it was an abomination for a man to wear women's clothing and for a woman to wear man's clothing. You know, later in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about a woman's hair um, being a natural adornment for her, whereas if a man has long hair, it's essentially unnatural. Um, now, we're not going to get into a discussion of whether or not men can have long hair. Of course, it's a sin to have a man bun, but, um, <laughs> you know… Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Only slightly. Um, so, but at the end of the day, um, Paul is assuming upon certain things that convey masculinity, femininity. And we shouldn't be afraid to say, okay, these are general principles by which we should appeal to and we should inform ourselves and by which we should encourage young men to pursue these things, mm-hmm. whether it's being the protector, whether it's being the provider. Whether you know, one of the things I teach my sons, I'm starting to. I haven't quite started with our youngest one, but you know, my oldest son is. um, uh, I made a post about this, and I got flack for it from people. But I, we have a routine where I'll ask him, "What does it mean to be a man?" Before I put him to bed, and he has, I think we have eight or nine qualities that he lists off for me, and um, one of the ones in there is protect the people that you love, Um, and or no, sorry, protect the weak but Wouldn't you want to your people you love?
2: Wouldn't you want your daughter also to be doing that, Jacob?
0: Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I had see. people tell me that. Like, you know, at what point does it? And, and my, but my thing is, is like, I want him growing up as a man to know that if someone's being taken advantage of, mm-hmm. um, that, if, that if someone that is weaker than him is being bullied, I expect him to take up for that person, I expect him to defend that person. And if he doesn't, then I'm going to be ashamed uh, that he didn't take his responsibility seriously as a young man. And, um, you know, I think there are other characteristics that I'm wanting to teach my daughter, some overlap, as we talked about, but expressed in different ways.
1: You're getting to something. This is where I want to go with this right now, and then we'll kind of break it out in different ways through the rest of the episode we've kind of talked about there's there's a million wrong ways to be a man there's a million wrong ways to be a woman or there's a million things that you could label as that's what it means to be a man that's the ideal that's wrong um on on my other podcast think deeper we had an episode of this of all the wrong male stereotypes the playboy the you know well I'm I'm a man because I go outdoors and hunt and it's like there's nothing wrong with that but that doesn't make you a man you know the beer football barbecue thing you know it's like you know this is not the ideal what and so we want to get at what is the ideal because i think what you guys are talking about is some of the people that criticize the the stereotypes they can look at that and say well that i don't have to like football to be a man it's like no you don't but it also doesn't mean you're a man if you are very wimpy. If you're very, you know, whatever the case may be. I, you I still actually, have to act like man. Right. I wrote on this actually at uh, focuspress.org a while back about scientifically, statistically, testosterone is like at an all-time low in men. Like the, mm-hmm. the chemicals that make us up, that, that make us more manly, men are supposed to have way higher levels than men, have been falling precipitously for decades. And so you've got a culture full of men who... Internally don't even have the makeup to be a man. And so to become men like this is something you have to have to actively pursue And so what we're getting at here is that there is something to pursue what it is to be a man What it is to be a woman and so let's let's get into some definitions biblical um, God-driven God-given definitions Let's start. We've been talking man a lot. Let's let's start with women. What is a godly biblical woman? What is let's define that for people? uh, Jack, Ooh, I'm, great I'm, question! I'm not a biologist, so I'm not qualified <laughs> yeah. to answer this. It's, uh, it's a great Sorry, question. Are there any other to questions? To a softball. So You're right. Yeah, that's I, why I jumped in to ask the question so I can make you no, guys I'm, answer it.
2: Thank you for that very much. Uh, oof, my goodness. Well, first of all, let me just answer one other thing. All-time low testosterone. My belief is that it's because of um, almond milk. <laughs> and and kale. He's not kidding as much as you think. <laughs> it has kale. to be. Did you know that there's only like one or two almonds per cup per serving of almond milk? How do you milk an almond? I guess you one. you have to go very. There's a very small, very careful on it that you that you access.
1: <laughs> okay. we, are we? Is
2: that one going to stay in there or not? No. I...
1: <laughs> you you can tread carefully. Okay. Yes,
2: it, you, you can uh, well, but really and truly, I, that is uh, Jack, to your question, what is a woman? Well, um, it goes you have to go back to the dawn of creation and look at God's creation of Eve and um, what she was made to be. And then, and then I think you so she was made to be a helper of the man. In this glorious mission of bringing dominion over the whole earth and filling it and subduing it. And, you know, you, you get all kinds of people that say, well, not every woman is going to get married and not every woman is going to be capable of um, being fertile and even having babies or that kind of thing. And we cannot allow the 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 nor- what's normative biblically and creationally to be displaced because of outliers and because of certain exceptions. Even if you go to first Timothy 2, Paul literally said he's so he said the reason why a woman cannot exercise authority over man is because Adam was made first and then Eve. Well, then he goes on to say, yeah, she will be saved through childbearing. I'm like, what do you what do you do with that? Paul's saying the essentially I think and maybe you guys will disagree, but I'll give you my take on what I what I think he's saying is that she'll be. She will be saved by remaining within her God-given role um, insofar as she's able. There's going to obviously be certain things in the world that, you know, like sin has messed up a lot and made certain things not work the way that it's supposed to. Um, But primarily, she needs to be joining a man on the mission to fulfill the dominion mandate in Genesis. What,
0: well, I, I I think that there are certain characteristics that we can say are typically defining of a woman. There's there's two that stand out in my mind when it comes to the primary. Okay, maybe I should put it this way. The way I look at it is in Scripture. I think that the primary uh, one of the primary qualities of a woman is beauty, and one of the primary qualities of a man is strength. Now, so when it comes to beauty, what I mean by that is not necessarily physical beauty, although I do think that that is typically true, right? A, a woman's form is, is much more beautiful than a man's form um, in a lot of different ways. It's more aesthetically pleasing. But you see that word and that concept, uh, beauty being applied to women and their spirit and the type of qualities that they are to uh, possess. For example, First Peter chapter 3 where he talks about, you know that the gentle and meek and quiet spirit of this wife is something that's beautiful in the eyes of god something that is desirable try Uh, reading that one at the
1: feminist convention (laughs) yeah
0: yeah but 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 i think that you see this concept of and scripture will actually even point out of course it does this with men as well but it but it won't i don't think it calls men beautiful but it will point out when a woman's beautiful um so i think that primarily a woman is more um aesthetically pleasing um when it comes to physically we're talking biologically but also emotionally and spiritually, they're typically more called to be more nurturing, more tender, more life-giving. Um, when it comes to children, when it comes to um, those that they have been commissioned to to lead and to care for, um, that type of helpful, nurturing uh, disposition. Again, whenever we see that in a woman, she might not necessarily be the most like attractive woman physically. But there's something about that sp- that I would say as a man, there's something about that that naturally draws me towards that. The, oh. it, there's an attractive quality to it, actually. Yeah. That- Peter
2: said it would win unbelieving pagan husbands to want to yeah. obey Christ because they see it in her. But you see the reverse of that in, in the Proverbs where it says, if you have a woman that isn't that and she's overbearing and kind of the the front runner, very aggressive and contentious he said it's better a man would be happier living on the corner of a rooftop yeah um because it's such a break from what god made is jack did you
1: yeah i mean you see that you know i, I think i mentioned the phrase earlier the wearing the pants and the family kind of thing and that that wrestle for control and and really there's this kind of wrestle in society going on right now you know uh the it was a Beyonce or Rihanna or one of those people. Girls run the world, and you know those kinds of things. And they're teaching little girls Which those they things. Don't. You know, you yeah. um, talk about denying reality. Sorry, well, that song it, it drives just, me nuts. It goes all the way back to the curse, right? And I think that's what the First Timothy 2 thing is about. You know, she's preserved for, uh, through childbearing. Is It's really pointing back to the curse. Is All right, yeah. Eve, here's the deal from here on out. You're going to have pain and childbearing. You're going to bring forth. You're going to be fruitful and multiply. It's going to be hard for you. You're going to have to deal with that. And your desire for your husband... Which is very clearly talking about a power dynamic. Uh, mm-hmm. Is you're gonna be, you're gonna desire for him. He's gonna rule over you. You're gonna want the upper hand. You're gonna want to wear the pants in the family. Yep. Is what uh, that's gonna be your curse. That's gonna be the problem. And you're not gonna get it. It's not gonna <clears> work <throat> that way. And so when they try to do it, it's the contentious woman thing you're talking about in Proverbs. And the opposite of that is being a you know sub- submissive wife. You know, the, bearing the children, keeping the home, as uh, as Titus two talks about. Um, All of these concepts, but you see the ugliness of that, because you talked about the beauty of uh, a loving, nurturing, caring woman who cares for those around her, takes care, you know, and blesses them. And I think that's what Proverbs 31 is getting at. Um, Have you guys seen much of um, the... She was in the Avengers movies, Brie Larson, like, the interviews with her. There's this YouTube channel called Charisma on Command, and it's talking about, like, how to be likable, how to connect with people. And she's, like, his, his... poster what child bad do. example of like how to turn people away how to be obnoxious and it's her her feminism is so obnoxious that on every interview she does with her co-stars she's trying to one-up the men i'm stronger than you i'm better than you i'm smarter than you i'm and you just see that that desire to rule and take over and it's so off-putting like you yeah, can tell yeah. it's it, it, it's so awkward for everyone but then when you right. see the opposite you see it the beauty of it like you guys are talking about and so okay. So let's define submission a little bit before we get out of here, because man, that's something that people really, really hate that word, but it's a good word. Okay. So
2: one thing I wanted to get, and because, and this might be good. Like, you know, I I think for the most part, we all agree. Maybe there's some disagreement here, Jacob. I noticed you kind of shifted away from where I was taking the original question about, you know, what it means to be a woman. And maybe you didn't, maybe that wasn't even intentional, but what I'm, Kind of what I'm getting at is something that I think right now society is um, pushing really hard against. And the church is being told not to say any of this, which if we're talking about you know the differences between men and women, I'm I'm saying I think I really think one of the one of the chief differences is that she's she's going to be someone who is a helper um, in assisting the man in the mission that God initially gave him. And you have no, I don't I would agree with that. Yeah and i don't think it stops at genesis right because in the new testament paul said i would encourage the younger women to marry and have children and you know and and like you said titus too have the older women encourage the younger women to be keepers of the home and um there so there's something to be said if you're looking at the differences between men and women that she's going to flourish in a home environment, making it a beautiful place, making it a sanctuary, creating, you know, wonderful smells of food and baking and desserts in the oven and putting color and life to it. And what do you, what do you guys think? Am I, am I, uh, No, I, know I, th- that that- I
0: agree with you. I was, I was saying that as a compliment of what you were saying is like, I think that this beautiful helper, right. This, this, this individual, this woman who just Thrives in this um, submissive, supportive role, yeah. and um, how when those things are flipped, it not only becomes distort. I'm gonna tie this into what Jack was saying. It not only becomes distorted, but it also makes um, both sexes miserable. Yeah. Um, there, there have been studies that have shown that even though uh, the uh, pay of women has increased we have more women ceos than we have before more women up in the higher workforce that actually as women's liberties have in, if you want to view it in that way of women's liberty as li- women's liber- liberties have increased their happiness has decreased isn't that interesting? satisfaction and contentment has decreased well I, and um you you're also on the flip side you're having more mental health issues yeah um, with men with men And I think that is the reason is because they have no purpose. They have no – they don't – when you don't know what it means to be a man or when you are told – I know we're still talking about women here, but when you are told as a man that things that you – naturally feel inclined towards. I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm just talking about things that you naturally feel as a man that those things are bad and and those things are wrong. Like you you are really going to struggle with a sense of identity and therefore mm-hmm. a sense of purpose and therefore a sense of well-being. And so it's no surprise that as the world tries to flip and to distort God's yeah. beautiful picture that He has given; that the result of that is going to be absolute misery, and it yeah. is to it is to the shame of the church that we are unwilling to say these things well, because that's, it is it is destructive for young men, right.
1: especially the Jordan right. Peterson thing we talked about. That's a reality that he's willing to say. Like I think his most famous YouTube clip was the one where he's on a TV interview saying, "Look, childless, single women, see high achieving women CEOs and and people that have risen up and." You know, these women that have accomplished so much, they're unhappy. And, right. you know, they would, the, the women we see at home with children and all that are happier. And, you know, the, the, you can just see the interviewer, you know, famously having such a hard time processing <laughs> it. So you're saying that women aren't, you know, as as capable in the workplace? He's like, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying but, they're not that's happy. Not the point. <laughs> so it's, it's really, uh, you, you talked about the build. We've talked about the physical build. A man is built like a dump truck. You know, and, and so like if you have a dump truck and a Mercedes Benz and you send a Mercedes Benz through a construction site, it's not going to work out that well. You know, it's no. like it's not built for that. In the same sense, if you had to road trip across the country in a dump truck, wouldn't work that well. Like the design leads to the purpose. And I think that's where yeah. Yeah, where that's Christians good have, have compromised on this, softened on this, have, you know, in their churches, but also in their homes. The way we raise our little girls, you're kind of supposed to raise your little girls and boys exactly the same. But why would we do that if we know they're different and have different purposes and different ends, That the telos, the design that God put them here for? But that's something that gets you in trouble. Like you said, Jacob, you had people mad at you for saying you're raising your little boy with qualities that maybe you want your little girl to have, but they're not going to be her defining qualities. And so... That yeah, yeah I, I think we've covered pretty well what, what we think a woman well, is come, biblically, quickly, but if you want to catch one more yeah, before I just we just want to say demand. what I
0: think submissiveness, because you asked what do we oh, think that's submissiveness right. is. Totally I think forgot. submissiveness, yeah. I, I got us off track. Uh, I uh, wanted uh, to ask Jack that question. No. Yeah, he keeps asking us these hard <laughs> Fair questions. Enough. Um, but I think submissiveness is I would define it as a a willing acceptance of God ordained authority um a a
2: good a that's good
0: willing acceptance of God's authoritative rule as di- and, w- and that can come to a variety of different different spheres of life. And we have a serious authority issue within our within Western culture right mm-hmm. now. Um, we were built on it. What's that? We were built on yeah oh I know. I know and and, and and people struggle with this idea of like We've talked about servant leadership before, which I think there can be some good concepts and, of the servant leadership thing, but often we've talked about servant leadership as sometimes a means of rejecting authoritarianism, and which authoritarianism meaning, uh, from my perspective, being someone who has the right to rule. It's like I've told like the church before. I'm like, listen, yes, our elders are shepherds, and they're servants of the church, but at the end of the day, they're also men in authority. And mm-hmm. so whatever they dictate to the local congregation, you have to submit to if you're a part of the body, mm-hmm. unless it's, uh, you know, of
2: course, against God's will. But, right. you know, you can't just run off down to the church down the street that it's going to give you exactly what you want.
0: Right, right. And, and that at the end of the day, like, that is the relationship between the man. Somebody has to submit. Somebody has to submit. And we see within scripture, within marriage, the right. man is the head of the home.
2: But and, did he- it even, would you, don't you think that it even goes, so like, one of the things of complementarianism is that it's said that it's limited this creational difference to marriage and the church, sure. and it said outside of that, it, you know, it's it's open, it's open uh, season. It's, Basically, right.
1: that God created two roles in which this applies, and the rest of the time, it's it's just not there. Right,
2: so how does this bear out in the rest of society,
0: well the head of man is woman. I mean Paul says that in first Corinthians chapter 11. he doesn't say the head of a man and his wife that's a mistranslation of the SV, although I use the SV. The head yeah. of man is 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 woman and, sh- and and I had people give me flack on this. I wrote an article a while back. I tend to be getting flack a lot now that I <laughs> um, but uh, I wrote an article a while back on uh, women respecting their husbands mm-hmm. and um, one of the things I put in that article was you know we should be pushing men to take this role upon themselves in society now i think most people would have been okay for me staying you know just within the church and just within the home yeah you go but outside have, of haven't that, we haven't we always trouble. well but haven't we always said that what god is doing in the home and in the church is what he's wanting to do in the world like haven't we said that that's the center by which god is trying to like influence right.
2: as the home goes so goes the world what? but until well,
0: you say it this
2: Right. Why would it make sense to have these distinctions in the two most important institutions on the planet and them not like spill over into public life?
0: Well, and I told people I said, listen, I don't I'm not saying that there's not nuance. I'm not saying that there's like how that plays out in like the workplace every time m- different scenarios might apply to different situations. I said, but what I'm saying is this, just in general, as a culture and as Christians, we should be uh, 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 careful. We should reject, really, a society in which men are submissive and women are dominant. That's what I'm saying. We should reject a culture that is promoting that type of framework. But as we've talked about before, this really isn't a a push to like switch the roles like for women to be men and men to be women i know it looks like that but i'm convinced that really the reason that this is happening and i don't even think the people that are pushing these narratives realize this but we're beginning to see it with the promotion of transgenderism is satan is wanting to move our culture towards androgyny it's not a replacement of the roles as much as it is there is no role there is no gender there is no male there is no female we're just the faceless we, right? We're just this gray area. And because Satan is about blurring the lines of God's distinctiveness within his natural law and within his special law. And so I I think that that is why this move towards androgyny is becoming more pronounced and you're having, is becoming more and more difficult. But at the same time, and we've talked about this before, there are still landmarks within our culture that show that the the falseness of that narrative, one of them being sports, right? Uh, sports is a testimony to the fact it doesn't matter how much you try and push the fact that there are no differences and we're all the same.
2: Like, yes, there are. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: but, <laughs> but you can you can try it for a season. I I but one one guy that I like to listen to said stupidity doesn't last long. And yep if if we try to do these things societally if we try to erase what it means to be a man what it means to be a woman it can't last longer than about a generation maybe maybe a couple of generations but people are going to uh, you know people are going to wake up and they're going to realize you already see within the transgender movement within just a couple years after having these major surgeries these young people are saying this was a bad decision it's i sad. this it's isn't sad. right i you know I was told that this was going to fulfill me. It didn't.
1: I want to be what I was born as, and well, even on a more basic level. Uh, you know, a man who goes out, you know, pers- uh, the the Playboy lifestyle and pursues women, and uh, you're just over and over, they're miserable. A woman yeah. who goes out and says, you know, I, I I don't want a man. I don't want kids. You know, this is how it's going to be. Most of the time, they end up miserable. Uh, uh, just all of these ways in which we can deny our reality. It doesn't work. Like, again, you were designed for a certain thing. And, man, if you go off-roading in that Mercedes-Benz, it's going to come out of it beat up. It's going to come out of it in bad shape. And so we can't do that. Um, I appreciate you guys for handling the submission question well enough that I don't think I need to add anything to that (laughs) anymore. Um, Jacob, you had made a—I think this will transition us to the masculine side— you had made a really good point in one of our conversations about this. I think it was you. Maybe it was Daniel. I'm giving credit to the whoever. If, if, if it was, if it was good, it was probably me. That's so, it. Um, <laughs> fair enough.
2: Um, ride comes before a fall brother.
1: Like there is this concept of the woman, you know, if, if the man does his job properly, the woman should submit. No, that's not what it says. Now, if he goes beyond God's bounds, okay. You know, there's, there's recourse for that, but, Flip that on its that, head. That was me, and that was my premarital counselor. That's what it is. Okay, I, I who, couldn't remember that? which one of the two of you it was. Uh, who who so said it? Daniel Daniel gets the uh, credit here. Uh, but the other go, side of day it day being, day. you would never tell a man you only have to level your wife if she submits properly. Like because that is the the two sides of uh, you love her, you submit and respect you know submit to and respect him, and th- that is something that again churches christianity is teaching women of you know what if he does his job right then then you know it'll make it easy for you to submit and then you can do it well guess what no man is going to be perfect no man is going to make a decision that you agree with every single time and so it's giving women a pass of when you don't like it you don't have to and then you can kind of butt heads over the rule of the family that is the hard part of this is you're there are going to be times in which you have to say i don't agree with that i think it's terrible Okay, you know, like, I think that's the wrong decision, but it is your decision. Um, as far as the man side, there's going to be times where your your wife is, you know, you, you don't want to love her. Colossians, there's a reason it says, don't be embittered towards your wives. You might be mad at mm-hmm. her for disagreeing with you. you. might be mad at her for not, you know, wanting to go along with what you say. Whatever it may be, that's something you have to guard against. And the other side of it is that that veto vote, right? The, the thing where you can say, look, we disagree on this, but this is what we're going to do. That's something you don't just use every day. All right, honey, you want this for dinner. I want that. We're having this because I'm the man. All right, honey, you want to you know go to this place for vacation? I want to go to the other one. We're going to mine because I'm the man. It's something you use very sparingly because you love her, because you're not lording it over her, because you're not you know dominating her, but you also have to have that quality in your bag of being able to make a decision, being able to make a stand and say, you know, can can I? well, let me just finish real quick. The opposite of that is the guy who goes, my wife's going to be really mad if I say this, I think it's the right thing to do, but fine, you know, happy wife, happy life. And so we'll go with that. And he won't take the stand. Well, that's what you need out of the masculinity in the relationship is taking the hard stands when they need to be taken, but not abusing that power and and overdoing it. Which, yeah,
2: which I think is also part of that curse. Well, Um, I think,
1: I just think that you need to,
0: which I completely get where you're coming from, Jack and that, but I will say, I actually think men need to get more in the practice of making clear decisions every day in their home, because I don't think if we're in the practice of doing that, we're not going to do it in those big moments. Um, And like, for example, I was reading something the other day, like, how often do we have these discussions like on Sunday afternoon, where you and the wife are like, Hey, where are we going to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want it? Where do you want to eat? And it's like that's something small, but I think that's a way where, as a man, you can begin to practice some of those decision – like clear decision processes where, as a family, hey, this is where we're going to go. Or giving – you being here, we're either going here or we're going here. You don't have to domineer, I don't think, in that situation. I think it can become domineering if you're not careful, but I don't know. I I just –
1: I just wanted to clarify, I meant the ones where of, like, I want this, and you want that, and so I want my way. But you're right, if, you know, and I think that's one of the other things about authority in general, government, elders, parents, father, I mean, husband, to wife, is... Your job is to create boundaries for which the people who are submitting to you to operate in. You're telling them this is, you know, where I, here's the decisions I'm going to make. The rest is up to you. The rest you can operate within that. But you're also giving, you're taking a burden off of their back, so they don't have to think about everything. They don't have to do everything. And and that's the hard right. part of being a leader.
2: Well, so so I I agree with Jacob just in the sense of you know you do need to get in the practice of making some decisions and being just being a decisive figure somebody that can make a decision but I think that the trouble and maybe some of the reason why there is some of the feminist pushback is that historically it has been that the kinds of decisions that men are pushing really hard on are the kinds that are not really going to be for the benefit and the good of the family so they do make all of the you know the real quick decisive short-term decisions and they do it kind of forcefully and they do it in a way that's you know maybe unbecoming of the design God gave them. But part of being a man also, I think if God gave Adam this mission and then the man needs to have a vision in his mind of where he's, if he's in a leadership position, he has a direction, he has something in front of him. He knows where he's going. And so there's an end goal in mind. And I think about in my family, the ultimate destination is I want my bride to hear well done, good and faithful servant. I want my my children to hear well done good and faithful servant so i'm going to shape all of the the big family decisions around that ultimate end and it i think maybe in like a decade of marriage i mean how often do you have to make a, a you know a decision that's totally um you know this is the way we're going to do it and where, where your it's, wife it's not, it's, is going to give us serious problems like right, you know, it's, not, it's like, not very often.
0: Well, and I think that first Corinthians 16, go back to first Corinthians 16, 13 and 14 helps to balance that out. Right. He says, act like men be strong. So those are very masculine ideas. You know, they, I, I, that goes back to I think I do think that one of the primary qualities of men is to be strong. I think we should be as strong physically as we possibly possibly can be as strong mentally as we can be. The woman's called the weaker vessel in first Peter, chapter three. Um and that's not meant in a derogative sense. It's just meant to to explain the natural way in which biology and and um, how that how that all works out. But right after that, First Corinthians sixteen fourteen, he says, "And let everything you do be done in love." Mm-hmm. So so be strong, be a man. But the overriding principle of that is love. And so I think that's where decision making within the home can become. Domineering if it's not done in love, if, if your decisions aren't done with your wife in mind. Peter says in First Peter three and verse seven, you need to dwell with your wife in an understanding way. We as husbands know what kind of decisions are going to be difficult for our wives, and we might still have to make that decision. Um, right. But at the end of the day, we're tender towards her in those moments because we realize it might be difficult for her to take, um, and and we're careful about how we do it. So I think that that is. Um, this this subject of being strong, being decisive, making clear-headed decisions, and all of that falls under the idea of being a leader, being um, the head, being someone who's in a position of authority. That's what it means to be the head. That's what it means to be a leader. And the unfortunate thing is that I think even in the church, we have conditioned people to think that if someone acts that way or someone takes that role seriously— and, and they're making these decisive, clear um, decisions, they're taking authority seriously, that somehow that's arrogant, somehow that's wrong. You know, and, and it can be done with arrogance. It can play into our pride if we're not careful, but we also know that at the heart of Christian leadership is the cross and our understanding of our own sin and the face of God's grace. And um, so I, I just think that we really need to encourage men young men especially, stand up and be strong. You know, be who you are called to be as a man, and we need to encourage young women to be that helper, to be that, that homemaker, to be that, that person of, of a beautiful spirit that God desires and, and longs for. Um, and whenever you see that man, whenever you, and I think this is why marriage is at the heart of this, whenever you see a man being a man and a woman being a woman, and those two loving each other and serving each other in the way that God has called them to serve each other. Man, it is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. And I think in that we see God's covenant love with all of it. And that's really what this all is about. When a man is being who, who God has called him to be and when a woman is being who God has called her to be, uh, then we see the heart of God. We, we see his character, the, his fullness of his image displayed. One of the other things
1: we see with the the leadership authority thing is... As I was saying, you kind of are taking the pressure off of somebody else. There's something admirable in that. And so somebody who is leading well and somebody who's submitting well, there's there's a beauty to that relationship and appreciation. You know, the the woman, the wife, the kids, they can appreciate the father who says, they can look at him and say, he loves us. He's making decisions for the best of us. He He's leading us to God, you know, into the throne room of God and prayer and in and, and the word. You know, Ephesians 5, washing his water in the word. He's doing that job well. He's leading us well. And then he can look and say, you know what? They're following me. They're they're with me. I'm letting them know I love them. They're respecting me. There's that, that symbiotic relationship of that because God didn't create it to be exactly the same. We are both supposed to love each other. We are both supposed to respect each other. But there's a reason He prioritized the respect and the submission from the wife to the husband and the the love of the husband to the wife, and it's because this is how that leader, you know, submission uh, thing plays out best. And so you, you kind of talked about the, the love side of it. I think we're such a pendulum society, right? There's a lot of people who their dad, their grandfather never gave him a hug. A lot of wives who their, their husband said, you know what? I, like, this is a phrase that you'll hear from time, time, time to time. And it's really an abomination. You know what? I told you, I love you on our wedding day. I'll let you know if anything changes. Like, right. That's, that's horrible. That is despicable. Mm-hmm. Of, mm-hmm. It is your job to let them know they are loved, and it doesn't make you soft as a man, because one of the important things about it is you are to be strong. You are to, to have that ability to be gruff when necessary, and it's when you have that, and your kids see that, and they see you put that guard down and get down on the floor with them and play with the toys with them, or, or they see you put your arm around your wife and give her a kiss on the cheek when you come in from work, or whatever it may be, that they see this guy who is all of those things is a man's man is also willing to show us. He really loves us. He's willing to show his heart to us. That's so important. And right. it's not one or the other. It's not, I don't tell you, I love you or give you a hug versus I'm going to essentially act like a woman in my nurture, you know, that I have, that I don't have the gruff side. It's balancing those two gives you well, the look full at, picture. Look at Jesus. I
2: mean, this is, exactly. he is, he is the, the man. I mean, literally and in and essentially manhood perfected. Right. Exactly. And he was I, there was n- nothing weak or wimpy about him, what he in, was able to endure mentally, physically, his fortitude, his his servitude being, you know, John, he finally finds out that his cousin John the Baptist dies and he needs to get away to grieve And while he's on his way to grieve, you know, there's a whole crowd of people that needs his help. And so he spends the entire day serving them and uh, feeding them. And then he finally gets away to to get away with to um, to grieve and to have that time and prayer that he needed with God. But you see all of those qualities and attributes in Jesus. It's just the important thing is that our picture of who Christ is, is being formulated by scripture because jackie made the point earlier that if god has a design if god has a way then satan you can rest assured is going to try and do just the opposite of it so if there is a way that jesus actually is and that the man should actually be satan's going to be trying to cast images and paint a picture of christ other than what he what he actually is and you get all kinds of perversions well, and I
0: think that goes back to the word in Ephesians 5 and verse um, 29, where Paul is talking about the man's relationship to the husband and comparing it to churches, I mean, Christ's relationship to the church. And he even talks about, uses the example of a man and how he cares for his own body. And he uses the word cherish. Mm-hmm. And to mm-hmm. me, that is kind of the word that man, I, I know I fail on so often. Do right. we, do we, as men, do we cherish our wives? You know, right. do we, do we have this view of just honoring them and just loving them and cherishing them above all others? And well, I you, think that that tenderness—I want to use the example of one of the greatest animated r- films of recent memory, and that is the. Uh, have you guys ever seen the How to Train Your Dragon movies? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. I love them. And for a few reasons. But one of the main characters in there is the the dad, the chieftain, right? Yeah. And he's this really, like, manly, gruff, you know, battle-worn guy. And one of the great characters of animated films in recent memory. But in the second one, and I'm going somewhere with this, okay? In the second one, he sees his wife, who he thought was dead right and his transformation when he sees her as he's trying to woo her back to him and and how tender he is and you and he still has his armor on and he still is this gruff bearded manly dude but it's just such a beautiful thing and i think doesn't the ecclesiastes writer say something about that like the way the man a man is with the woman when he's talking about these great mysteries Mm. like of life Yeah. and um and i just think that that st- statements like that would mean nothing unless he's saying like man w- when a when a true man like engages with a woman in a tender way there's something beautiful
2: um that's that there well that's that is you know if we're looking at why this why these distinctions and i think you know we the the goal was to ultimately get to this point but you know we started genesis and we look at why did God make man and woman and why did he make them come together to be married and have kids and, and put these distinctions. Ephesians 5, Paul says, look, this mystery of marriage is profound, but I'm saying it relates to a husband and a wife. God, uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm saying that it relates to Christ and the church. Um, the, re- the marriage relationship is a microcosm of the greatest relationship that has ever and will ever exist namely jesus christ with his bride the church and if and when you do have a husband being like christ and the bride being like the church and they're in marriage together it portrays into the cosmos let alone the surrounding culture the glory of the relationship that god established uh, from the beginning which was him with his people and it will be forever and it is good and that's really what we're trying to portray so you break down the differences in gender you say there's no difference at all then that that image that marriage is supposed to promote and that the genders are supposed to promote completely uh is washed away so
1: jack yeah so we're, we're kind of running up against our our time to finish here uh i'm gonna let the listeners behind the curtain a bit we recorded. An episode on on male gender, male, female gender roles and and all that. And uh, you guys, we kind of looked at it and said, it needs more scripture, needs more focus on that. And on the previously recorded one, we spent a lot more time kind of going against egalitarianism, laying out what the culture is pushing. And and this time we wanted to dig a little more into scripture. And I'm really glad we did, because we don't really need as much of a pushback on all the things the culture is shoving on us when we know what the right thing is. You know, when you've got a million wrong things out there, you can talk about all the things that are wrong, but when you establish what the right thing is, what the normative principles that God has given us are of what, you know, and because somebody will always point, well, what about Deborah? What about Holda? What about Phoebe? What about Junia? Women have always had a role in God's plan. Sometimes that role is more prominent, but those are exceptions, number one. But number two, you go back to Adam and Eve, you go back to the, the man is the leader, the woman is the helper, the man, the, he takes the fall for it. I mean, in, in Romans, we're reading about Adam is the one that causes problem. Even though he was the second person to sin, he's the one that gets the blame for it. And so it teaches us about male responsibility, leadership. There's all these lessons, and when you establish that, and if we get that right in our homes, if we get that right in our churches, if, if, if we can start, you know, showing that to the society of this is what a godly man is, this is what a godly woman is, the the other things are defeated on the face. Like, we've, we've already got the answer for those. And so I'm really glad we went and, and did, uh, redid this episode on those terms because the scripture gives us everything we need to know. I We've referenced Genesis. We've referenced uh, Ephesians 5, 1 Peter 3, 1 Timothy 2, uh, 1 Corinthians. There, there's there's plenty in there that indicates this is how God wants it. This is how God designed it. What our eyes are telling us is backed by what the Scripture has for us, a special revelation, natural revelation. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I I think it, it's the right way to approach this issue. Uh, any final words from you guys? The only thing I
2: wanted to say was... Satan always, he always promises pleasure on, and the ultimate, his ultimate end is always pain. And he's done this from the very beginning. There's always, he always casts these grand images of what could be if you, if you broke free from this, you know, God, God doesn't really, uh, you know, you're not really going to die because you eat that fruit. You're going to be wise and be more like God, and it's going to be better. So many still fall for that trap. I think that's exactly what's happening today. And I think there's going to be contentment. And, you know, Jacob, you brought up earlier, you know, the more the higher um, mental health issues and, you know, just the sheer the sheer number of women that are on antidepressants. And that's like that's just a fact. What happened? What changed? People are breaking free from their design. They're, it's you're not gonna function the way God made you to when you break from free from that design. I, I, had, I don't remember who it was that said this, but they said women would be a lot happier if they just went home and submitted to their husbands. Mm. <laughs> and I that's a that's a tough statement, but I believe that that's true. Amen.
0: Well, I, I'm I'm gonna end with the scripture I was referencing earlier, Proverbs 30. 18 and 19, there are four things that are too amazing for me, four that I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship in the high seas, and the way of a man with a young woman. Um, the Proverbs writer even said that these things are amazing. I don't even fully understand them. Yeah. Um, there's a beautiful mystery between how the sexes interact with each other, um, and if we would just submit to God's plan uh, and fully embrace um, the purpose he has for our life. Even though we don't always understand it, we might struggle to conceive of it. Um, we would be much better for it.
1: Amen. Absolutely. This is one of those quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to listen. Uh, as James 1 is really talking about when we look at the mirror of the word, uh, when our culture has taught us it should be this way and we get that ingrained in our minds and the Bible says something different, we can get mad at it. And this is the kind of thing that churches don't preach because you might get people mad at it. It's what the word says. We need to submit ourselves to the word because again, this is who let the dogma out where doctrine has dominion over all of life. And so that's where we're gonna close for this week. We're gonna pick up with another doctrine, another biblical teaching to to focus on next week. Again, we need help on the ratings. Uh, check us out on there. Whether you know, if you're follow I know we have a, a good amount listening on YouTube. Drop a comment, leave a like. Um, Wherever it is, just kind of help us get the word out in that way. And we appreciate you guys for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week.